Good evening. I'd like to welcome you this evening to the evening fellowship hour coming to you from the auditorium of the Altoona Bible Church. It is our prayer that through this service, the singing of these hymns, the special music, and of course the message from God's word, that you will be blessed and be encouraged. At this time, then Joshua is going to come back and lead us in the singing of hymn 384, Ring the Bells of Heaven. We do want to welcome you this evening. We're going to continue our singing with Ring the Bells of Heaven. continue our singing by going to hymn 575, Where He Leads, I'll Follow. 575.
this time for special music this evening is going to be Nancy McClellan playing on the piano. Her first song she'll be playing is We Are More Than Conquerors. song we are more than conquerors it's our turn to sing again we're going to sing hymn 624 count your blessings and throughout all of this time it's an easy song to remember that we are blessed with so much so count your blessings
are singing with Jesus, name above all names. back to our hymnals for our last number tonight, which is hymn 378, uh, Now I Belong to Jesus, 378. Nancy McClellan who'll be playing the piano. Her second number will, is Love Medley.
Amen, Nancy. I want to thank you for your special numbers uh, this evening. We are more than conquerors and then the love medley. Amen. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians chapter number 2. Colossians uh, chapter number 2, verses 9 and verse number 10, as we continue our study of and dealing with our spiritual blessings. Again, this is based on Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. We explained it a few weeks ago, and then what we've been doing for the last couple weeks is expanding it and explaining the various spiritual blessings which our all believers have in the Lord Jesus Christ and literally at the moment of salvation, how truly we are blessed in the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you'll turn with me then in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2, verse number 9 and verse number 10. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. So this evening, we're going to begin talking about that we are complete in the Lord Jesus Christ. Just, just think about that for a moment. We, who are sinners, saved by the grace of God through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, all these spiritual blessings are ours, and one of those spiritual blessings is that we are absolutely complete in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's just talk about the word complete for a moment. The verb is in the perfect tense and the passive voice. Again, let me, let me explain what this means. The passive voice means the subject of the sentence does not produce the action, it receives the action. And then the perfect tense, the perfect tense we will show you how important this is to understand and what, what a beautiful blessing this is. The perfect tense means completed action with continuous results. Let me just make a comparison. Remember Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us, hath blessed us with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. We said in the original language, that's an aorist tense. That, that's completed action. Let me show you this illustration. So the aorist tense would be represented by a dot. The perfect tense would be represented by this dot, but also a continual line. Because it is completed action, but it has the connotation of continuous results. Let me share with you a verse of scripture, very familiar verse of scripture, but 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and verse number 4. Just look at this blessing. God has blessed us with all the spiritual blessings, point in time, completed action, one of those blessings is that we are complete in him, and that completion is at a point in time, but it action is with continuous results. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, very familiar portion of Scripture because, because this is the gospel. This is the essence, and we know this is the gospel that we preach. For I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Now let me just point this out to you. You can check this out. He died. Aorist tense. Completed action point in time. 
At a point in time in human history, we know that the Lord Jesus Christ died. He shed his blood that through his death, bro, and resurrection, we can have eternal life. He was buried, that verse goes on to talk about. He was buried. At a point in time, he was buried. We go back to the gospel records. We can see where the issue of Joseph of Arimathea begged Pilate for the body of Christ. And he had a sepulcher close by that no man was in, and he placed the body of Christ in that sepulcher. And then, of course, we know that the Lord Jesus Christ, three days, three nights, resurrection, well, buried and died, or the error is tense, complete action point in time. The beauty of God's word is when he then says he rose again, that changes tense. And that changes tense from the heiress tense to the perfect, which means that at a complete action point in time he was raised, that he remains resurrected. Do you see and understand that? So when you think upon that verse of Scripture, if you go back with me to Colossians chapter 2, verse number 10, and ye are complete in him. We were complete at a point, a point in time, and that completion remains true. It's continuous results. And obviously, Colossians chapter 2, we will point this out later, is speaking of the perfect position that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, truly how we are blessed in him. And the word complete means to be filled to the full. And just think upon this for a moment and, and deal with and look at the context of Colossians chapter 2. In fact, let's just go back here to about verse numbers 5 and, and read these verses of Scripture and just see the context. The context of, uh, of Colossians chapter 2, verse number 10, and what this truly means to us. Beginning here in verse number 5, For though I was absent in the flesh, Paul is not physically there. As we point out before, and I'll remind you, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, four epistles, written at the end of the book of Acts during Paul's first Roman imprisonment in his own hired house. So he says, For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I'm with you, I'm in the spirit, joying and beholding your order in the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. There, there's no chaos. There, there's this order. Even though there's attacks, there's this order in the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. We need, we need to be like that tree that Psalm 1 talks about. That we're rooted. Not going to be when, when, when the issue of false doctrine comes our way and the winds of heresy and all those things. We remain true to God. The Apostle Paul could say in 2 Timothy chapter 4 at the end of his life, I've fought, I've kept, I've finished. That's what we need to be doing, to be living for the Lord, to be rooted and built up in him, established the faith he's been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men, notice, after the rudiments of the world and not after the Lord Jesus Christ. And something that's not after Lord Jesus Christ is wrong, it's false. Verse number nine, for in him, in Christ, 
For in Christ dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So for in him, in Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Lord Jesus Christ is God manifested in human flesh. Colossians 1.19 says, For it pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness dwell. In ye. Just think about this. So in Christ dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily to please the Father, Colossians 1.19, we just read, and ye are complete in him, in Christ, which, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, is the head of all the principality and powers. We are filled full because we are complete in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we realize and understand that believers are complete in him. And if we are complete in the Lord Jesus Christ, therefore, we cannot add anything to this position to make yourself more complete. How could you do that? We have to stop for a moment, understand the verse of Scripture, connect this verse of Scripture, one of these blessings, with Ephesians 1.3, and then praise God and say, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who hath blessed us, again, not conditional, unconditional. There, there's no if there. Go back and read Ephesians 1.3. There is no if there. It doesn't say he will bless you if you do this. And if you don't do it, I'm not going to give you those blessings. That's not what it says. So Colossians chapter 2, verse number 10, is one of those spiritual blessings that we have. And we are complete in Christ. We are filled full. And you cannot be more complete. Therefore, there's nothing we can do. Nothing that we can do to add to our what? To our perfect position that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing we can do to make ourselves any more complete. And of course, this is speaking of this is speaking of what? This is speaking of our position. Should we be living for the Lord Jesus Christ? Absolutely. But this is, this is our position that we have before God and in Christ. And it's because we're in Christ. So we are complete in him. We're full, full in the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Go back with me to the book of Galatians chapter number 4. In Galatians chapter 4. Another spiritual blessing that we enjoy. Galatians chapter 4, uh, I can read verses 1 through verse number 7. And then we need to study and think upon these blessings that we have in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differs nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all but as under tutors and governors unto the time appointed of the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in the bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and of a son, then heir of God through Christ. Let's just talk about adoption. 
what, what do you think upon when you either hear or read the word, or as we're reading the word adoption clearly in Galatians chapter 4? How, how would you define that? How would you define that concept, that word? Would, would you use the American idea of, of adoption? How would you define that word? Many would use the American idea of adoption. The American idea of adoption would be simply, and you know this, is to take a child who is not your own, through legal means, bring them into your family, give them your name, take care of them, raise them as your own. And that's what we would talk about adoption. We realize and under, understand, if you think about it, there was an individual who was born Leslie Lynch King Jr. And he holds a unique position and place in American history. At a young age, his parents were divorced. His mother remarried. Later, his new stepfather adopted him, and he changed his name. And he took the name of his father, his new stepfather, Gerald R. Ford. Later, Gerald Ford would become the 38th president of the United States. And, and that's our American idea of adoption. But what we need to understand and understand and realize that this is not the biblical. So what we understand in our American system, if you would look at an English dictionary, what we just shared with you, is not the biblical concept. It's not the biblical definition. That's not what God is talking about. The definition of adoption in the Bible is sun-placed, Son placing, the placing a son. That's the definition. What, what, what does that mean? Well, let me share with you what that means. Because someone's going to say, and, and you can see almost, where a person would say, well, doesn't the American idea fit into the biblical idea of adoption? In other words, they would say, when we're born, we know we're born sinners, we're, we're born and we're part of Satan's domain, and yet God loves us and brings us into the family, his family, and we become a child of God. So, so that's what the word adoption is. But that's not, again, the biblical concept. That's an illustration that people would use to make adoption be equal to in the idea of our American adoption. But that is not what the Bible is speaking of. That is not what Galatians chapter 4 is talking about. What we need to understand and to realize as we look at this, the point of adoption is not just mere acceptance into a family, but it is the idea of declaration of full sonship with its rights and privileges. And that's what we just read in Galatians chapter 4, and we will go back there and explain it. And then when you look at that and understand that, then we're going to think about this in relationship to the nation of Israel in relationship to the church, the body of Christ, in relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And so as we look back at Galatians chapter number 4, keep that in mind what we just shared with you. The point of adoption in the Bible is not mere acceptance into the family, but declaration of full sonship with its rights and privileges. And that's what you, that's what you see here. 
Notice as we read Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through verse number 3. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is child, differs nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all. But is under tutors and governors under the time appointed of the father. Do you see? Now, yeah, you could apply it to someone who is not your own, but the idea here is this is his son. The son is born. So at a point in time, the son is born and the father says, you know, when you're 13 years old, when you're 14 years old, you then will be considered my son with his rights and privileges. Until that time, I'm going to place you under tutors and governors and the schoolmaster. And they're going to tell you what to do. They're going to take you to and from school or to and from these locations. They're going to tell you how to spend your money. They're going to be watching over you. And that when the time appointed comes, those individuals would be removed and you will be placed as a son. And did you notice in the scriptures here, though he be the heir, while he is under the tutors and governors and schoolmasters, he differs nothing from a servant. That's what it's saying. Let me reread this. Now I say that the heir, he is the heir. He, he is the physical son of this father and mother. As long as he is a child, he differs nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all. But he's under tutors and governors under the time appointed of the father. And when the time of the point of the father, whatever that may be, comes, then those individuals are out of a job. The son has always been accepted in the family, but now he is son place with its rights and the privileges. And then God is going to make the analogy. Even so, we, when we were children, were bonded under the elements of the world. Now think upon this, how this relates, first of all, to the, the nation of Israel. As we said, finally, when the time appointed arrived, those servants were removed, he's declared to be the son, and it was assumed that he would no longer need overseers to keep him in, in check. Those people were out of job, as we said. The time appointed has arrived. And think upon this, how this relates to the nation of Israel. Go back with me, if you will, to the book of Exodus. And here in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter number 4, verse number 22. Genesis, Exodus, chapter 4, verse number 22. And we will explain, and you say, well, how does this relate to the church, the body of Christ, and how is this a blessing? You will see. What I wanted to do is define the word, which we did, sun placing, tell you that it's not the American idea, explain Galatians chapter 4, the child is an heir, but as long as he's under the tutors, governors, schoolmasters, he differs nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all. And in Exodus chapter 4, verse number 22, as it relates to the nation of Israel, notice these words. Have your Bible open to Exodus chapter 4, verse number 22. And in Exodus chapter 4, verse number 22, says, And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve that he may serve me. 
And of course, we know that there was a physical deliverance. Ultimately, God through Moses physically delivers the nation of Israel. God through Moses parts the Red Sea, a miracle of God. And people want to attack that and say, well, they didn't go through the Red Sea on dry ground. They went through what they say, the Reed Sea, and it was only ankle deep of water. That is wrong. That's erroneous. That's blasphemous. That's an attack upon the word of God. For the word of God tells us, read Exodus chapter 14, they walked on dry ground. But you notice the words. Israel is my son, my firstborn. Let my son go that they can serve me. So Israel is physically delivered out of Egypt. And yet, what's going to happen? They're, they're delivered from Egypt. They're, they're going to be delivered from this physical bondage because we know they, Egypt, the Egyptians had taskmasters over them. And God is ultimately... Exodus 19.20, going to give them what? The law. The, the moral, the civil, the ceremonial law. The moral, the Ten Commandments. In total, there's over 612 commandments total that Israel was given. And they were to obey God. And now they were delivered from physical bondage, and now they're going to be in under spiritual because God gave them the law. Notice with me, if you will, and I like to read Hosea chapter number 11. Hosea chapter number 11 and uh, verse number 1. As I turn here to Hosea chapter number 11, verse number 1. When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. But what happened after they were called out of Egypt? As I said, they were placed under what? The Mosaic law. Literally, they were placed under what? The tutors, the governors, and the schoolmasters under the time appointed of God. And notice, if you go back to Galatians chapter 4, and of course, so, so Israel, though, they're called out of, by God. They're, they're delivered from Egypt. There's a physical deliverance. God placed them under tutors, governor, and a schoolmaster. And what was that representative? The law. The law. The law was perfect. We know that. The law was perfect. The problem was not the law. It was weak through, through the flesh. But God placed them under the law. And what does Galatians chapter 4 tell us? And so Israel, left alone by themselves, could never attain to the sonship. But notice as we read here in Galatians chapter 4, verse number 4. Well, verse 3 says, Even so, we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But, in contrast, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And you go back to verse 2. It's the time appointed of the father. Israel left alone to their own strength and ability could never have done this. 
because they violated the law. What, what advantage to do chiefly in every way? Romans 3 tells us because they had the oracles of God and yet they rejected them and they rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can think of some of the parables that we have, the parable of the householder, where they even are taught when Christ gives them the parable. They, the Pharisees even know that they're speaking of And yet right away, what do they do? Because the, here's my son. Surely they're going to reverence my son. No, they're not. They're going to take him out of the vineyard and they're going to kill him. They're going to demand that he be crucified. So the issue with the tutors and governors is, so in Galatians 4, it's talking in a sense of what was going on at the time. To understand, with a family, then it's using the tutors and governors and schoolmasters symbolically of the law to the nation of Israel because they did not receive the sonship immediately. And then you could fast forward in time, and again, look what they did during the earthly ministry of Christ. And you can think of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I like to read to you Psalm chapter 2, verse number 7. And this is just a tremendous blessing when you can put this together. Psalm chapter, Psalm 2. Notice in Psalm, the second Psalm, we read these words. Verse 4, he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh and the Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath, and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet I have sent my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree, the Lord, the Lord said to me, Thou art my son, and this day have I begotten thee. The Lord Jesus Christ. And the question would be, the Lord Jesus Christ, we know. We, we just read Galatians chapter 4, verse number 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. The Lord Jesus Christ literally was born under the law. He lived under the law, and he died under the law, because that was the dispensation of the law. He was perfect, Absolutely. God manifested in human flesh. He did not sin. He could not have sinned because he was, was God. But the question would, I would ask that you see here in Psalm 2, 7, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. When was the Lord Jesus Christ declared to be the Son of God? And some would say, well, at his, at his birth. Here, here's, a, again, Psalm 2 is, is the question. Look at the answer. Go over with me to Acts 13, verse number 33. And when you understand the tutors, the governor, the schoolmaster, and understand the issue of Israel placed under the law of the Lord Jesus Christ, literally, voluntarily, willingly, he was made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law. In Acts chapter 13, verse 33 says, God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he raised up Jesus. Again, listen to these words. As it is also written in the second psalm, 
Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee, and it's concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption. He said on the wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. When was the Lord Jesus Christ to be declared the Son of God with those rights and privileges? Not on birth, but when? On resurrection day. Because he willingly... And he was obedient, and he perfectly kept the law. He was God, absolutely, from birth through death. And afterwards, he is God manifested in human flesh. And he died for the sins of the whole world. The law, the tutor, the governor, the schoolmaster, that was Israel, to bring him to Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ willingly, and he was placed himself under, and he was born under the law. He lived under the law. He died under the law. And if you go back with me to Galatians chapter 4, just think upon this. Just just think upon the the beauty of, of these words. Because verse 6 says, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his Son into your heart, crying, hearts crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son of a son, than heir of God through Christ. Listen to me. Listen to God's word. Think of Ephesians 1.3. Think of what we've been trying to study in Galatians chapter 4. All believers in the dispensation of grace receive the adoption, the placing of sons, the son placing immediately upon their salvation. Do you, do you understand that? God does not first place believers in the dispensation of grace under the tutors, the governor, the schoolmaster, the law, until we have shown that we're worthy of this position of full sonship. God does not do that. Since adoption, placing in the dispensation of grace occurs immediately upon salvation, immediately we become a child of God by faith in Christ Jesus, Galatians chapter 3. There's no childhood period in grace. Our position is the full placing of sons upon our salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. I just want to pause for a moment. And I want those words to sink into your heart and into your soul. This is one of those spiritual blessings. And if you would like the list, we'll make that list available for you. Please contact us here at the church. We're going to continue this series for several more weeks. We're not going to look at all these blessings. But I want you to appreciate this. This is what God has done for you immediately. It's not true of Israel. Israel was placed under the law, and the law is symbolic and seen as the tutors, governors, and schoolmasters. And a child, when he is under the tutor of governor's schoolmasters, differs nothing from a servant, though he's going to inherit everything of his father. And then he is declared to be the son when on that day, that day that would have been pre-appointed. But you see, for the church, the body of Christ, do you, you, you see? Am I making myself clear? Our adoption, the son placing, occurs immediately on salvation. God does not place us. And you you might think, well, what about 1 Corinthians 3? There's a difference between our position 
in our, our walk. We already looked at Colossians chapter 2, verse 10, how our position is perfect and complete in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we need to understand and what we need to see and re rejoice in. We need to understand and accept what God is saying here. And what God is doing today in the dispensation of grace under the law, he was showing and demonstrating the insufficiency of man. The problem was not with the law. The law was holy. The law was righteous. The law was good. The problem was with people because it was weak through the flesh. And today, today in the dispensation of God's grace, what is he showing? He is demonstrating the all-sufficiency of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're complete in him. We are also received the adoption, the son placing immediately. I cannot say it enough. Upon salvation. Before you did anything. And God did not place us under the law. The law is good. The law is holy. The law is righteous. We understand that. But we receive the position of sonship when? Immediately upon our salvation. Immediately when you trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That's how God blesses us. And then we also need to point out that there is a future aspect of adoption. If you go back with me to Romans and turn over with me to Romans chapter number 8. In Romans chapter number 8, I'd like to begin reading here at beginning here at verse number 18. And then read down through verse number 23. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. There's glory out there. God assumes that there's going to be sufferings in the present dispensation of God's grace. But he assumes and understands that there, there's glory I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us, not to us, not around us, but in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willing, but by reason of whom who had subject the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption and the glorious liberty of the children of God. Not only when Adam fell back in the garden did affect mankind for all have sinned Romans 5 12 for, wherefore by one man sin entered the world and death by sin so death is passed upon all men for that all have sinned but we also realize that it affected what it, it affected the animal kingdom all of creation verse number 22 for we know that the whole creation the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together unto now and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Listen, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, what? The redemption of our body. So there is a future aspect of adoption, and it is in dealing with what? The redemption of our body, and the redemption of our body will occur when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back for the church, the body of Christ, the rapture, 1 uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to verse number 18. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not sleep, but we all shall be changed. In a moment, twinkle of an eye at the last trump. 
For the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For the corruptible must put on the incorruption, and the mortal must put on what? The immortality. That's the redemption. That's the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. Philippians chapter 3. That these vile bodies, these bodies of humiliation, that he is going to change them. I like to turn... You like to have that in front of you, but it's Philippians uh, chapter number 3, beginning here in verse number 20 and 21. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, a body of humiliation, a body that's laughing at you. The aches and pains, the older you get, the things that you used to be able to do, maybe in the 20s and 30s, you find it a little bit harder to do. I know it's true of myself. Going to change our vile body that may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. So adoption immediately upon salvation, absolutely. Completed action, something has occurred. But we know that we're looking down the quarter of time. We're, we're looking to the future and knowing that there's a future aspect of the redemption of these bodies because that, that's what the Christian hope is. You know, just think for a moment with me. 1 Corinthians 15, 19. For if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. If, if you believe... But the Christian hope is defined by the parameters of breath in this world. Makes you a better person, better spouse, better family member, better worker, better co-worker, better neighbor. And that, that's all that it is. You understand we have nothing. The Christian hope is what? It's about the gospel. It's about the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ. The, the, the question, where will your death lead you? We, we understand and we see it all around us. And we see the issue, one of the things that we, I think people have learned, because I mean, people through this pandemic are concerned and scared, they don't know where true peace is. And we talked about that, Romans 5.1, therefore being justified by faith. What well, we have peace with God, the greatest peace. The world wants peace, there's unrest in our country. But the greatest peace God is offering you is a free gift. Won't you believe and trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? And when you do, God saves you. And upon your salvation, these blessings that we've been talking about are yours. So if you do not know the Lord as your personal Savior, these blessings are not yours yet. These are those blessings for those individuals who have trust the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. You can trust him because Lord Jesus Christ came into this world. The very essence of the gospel we read and studied and talked about in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, he died, he was buried, and he rose again. He had victory over death. And there's people who continually mock that idea or mock him or say that he was imperfect. No, he was God manifest. What does Philippians chapter 2 tell us? That he was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He was willing to die. He willingly came down from the glory of heaven to be made manifest 
in human flesh to die on the cross for our sins. If you've never trusted him, won't you trust him? Wouldn't you realize that as Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace were you saved through faith and not of yourselves, the gift of God, it's not of works, lest any man should boast. It's God's gift. Salvation is God's gift. And what do we know something about a gift? We know that a gift expects what? No compensation. So you can't say in the one hand, oh, gifts that I give at Christmas time and birthdays are all free because I give it to those individuals because I love. But when it comes to salvation, I've got to work for it. God says it's a gift. 6.23, the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Won't you trust him? Won't you trust him right now, right where you are, for whoever you are? Whether you're listening on the radio, watching on TV, or through Facebook, if you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, God's gift to you is salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe that he came into this world, that he died on the cross for you, and that through his death, through his burial and resurrection, you will have eternal life. Won't you believe and trust him? If you've never trusted him, trust him right now before it's eternally too late in your life. And for us who are saved, who have trusted him, these spiritual blessings, and we're going to keep enumerating them and spend the next several weeks looking at them, I, pl I pray that this is a blessing to you. And that's been a blessing, that you will just rejoice in who you are, and this should motivate us and challenge us that we could be living for him the one who died and the one who is living and the one who loves us and the one who has blessed us. I pray that these messages have been a challenge and an encouragement to you. May God continue to bless the Altoona Bible Church. May God bless you and may God continue to bless the United States of America. God bless you.